0: Welcome to Naomi's Table, a Bible study podcast for women. I'm your host, Amy Spreeman. Check out all the Bible studies at naomi'stable.com. Now, here's teacher Beth Seifert with today's lesson in 2 Corinthians. So pull up a chair, open your Bibles, and let's begin. Well, welcome back to the book of 2 Corinthians, ladies. Today we'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 15. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I've titled this lesson, Day 17, False Gospel from False Apostles by False Spirits. I wish you could bear with me a little foolishness. Do bear with me. For I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. Even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way we have made this plain to you in all things. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted because I preached God's gospel to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. And when I was with you and was in need... I did not burden anyone, for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained, and will refrain from burdening you in any way. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. And why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. And what I am doing I will continue to do, in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim, that in their boasted mission they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds." Well, Paul continues to warn these believers about the real danger of following these false teachers. He now is about to show them how foolish they are being, and he's going to lay it all out for them. He's just pointed out the folly of self-commendation, so now that he is about to have to commend himself in order to demonstrate the clear contrast between himself and these false teachers, he prefaces this whole section with a warning that he is behaving foolishly. He doesn't want to play this game, but they need the reminder again of who Paul is and of his right to be jealous for them. And even as Paul does boast here, he boasts not in himself, but in the Lord. Paul again reminds them that he does have a right to be concerned for them, indeed to be jealous for them as the one who brought them the gospel in the first place. Paul's desire is to present them to Christ. He was, in a way, the matchmaker, who presented these people to Christ, their one husband. Paul is genuinely concerned that they are being led astray like Eve was by the cunning lies of the serpent, and by saying that, he is comparing these false teachers directly to Satan. Now, that might seem a bit harsh, like Paul has gone too far. However, Paul gives evidence to show his concern for their deception is valid. They have accepted readily and easily all kinds of false nonsense, What things are they accepting? Well, those false teachers came to them and proclaimed a different Jesus than the one Paul proclaimed. And they received that new Jesus without any fuss. Those false teachers also claimed to have received a different spirit from the Holy Spirit. And the people accepted that too. And not to leave anything out, the false teachers brought a different gospel, which, sadly, was also accepted by the people of Corinth. These false teachers proclaimed a different Jesus a different spirit, and a different gospel, and they had the audacity to then call themselves super-apostles while they did that. They offer no real hope while boasting in themselves and elevating themselves to super-status. Paul is not inferior to these super-false apostles. These guys appear to have some fantastic skills in speaking and in being persuasive, and Paul apparently was not the skilled speaker that they were. The skill of the speaker, however, does not validate the message of the speaker. Just because they spoke well and convincingly does not mean they spoke truthfully. Paul has made everything, all knowledge of Christ, plain to them. The message was clear. It might be a simple message, but it was true, and the evidence of that truth, as Paul continues to point out, is in their transformed lives. They themselves are the proof, Of the truth of Paul's message. Again, we see in verse 7 more information about what these false teachers were doing. They were insisting on payment for the false message they brought. And in that payment, they were insinuating that Paul's message had to be the one that was false because Paul wasn't charging for it. Now, it's true that in Greek culture, the importance of a teacher was measured by the fee that he could command, so Paul not demanding anything may have seemed suspicious and Paul refusing their gifts or payments could have been taken as an insult, perhaps. They may have been offering Paul like a patronage, and a refusal by him may have seemed proud and haughty. Paul, however, doesn't view his relationship with them by the world's economy, but instead, as a divinely called apostle and their spiritual father, he sees their relationship in much different terms. Remember in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul told them bluntly he delighted in not charging for the gospel. So again, this whole issue should already have been understood by the people, but apparently it wasn't. So Paul asks them bluntly, was it sin for him to humble himself to preach this eternally saving message for free? Well, this wasn't actually free. It was only free to those who received it. Other churches were supporting Paul so he could offer them this message for free. Paul calls this robbing other churches in this way. There was a cost, but the cost was not paid by the ones who received the direct benefit. These other churches gave sacrificially so Paul could offer the gospel to the people of Corinth. Yet because they don't fully understand the real cost, they don't value what has been done for them. Paul did have needs when he was with them, He did sacrifice in order to share the gospel among them without it costing them anything, unlike the false apostles who were apparently demanding money and support from the church. Yet Paul didn't burden them with those needs, and he still won't. And just a side note here, too. Lest anyone think Paul was just jealous of these false teachers, remember that in Philippians, Paul makes it clear that even if men are preaching the true gospel for selfish motives, he will rejoice because the true gospel is being preached, Thus, we can absolutely know that these men were not sharing the true gospel, or Paul would have said that. The issue is there is not just their motives, it's also the message they are giving, and that's why Paul comes down so hard on these people. Paul again speaks with the authority of Christ, and he won't be silent on this, but he will boast in Christ as he continues to share the gospel everywhere, but especially in Achaia. That's the peninsula that surrounds Corinth. He shouldn't have to stop boasting in the gospel because the same gospel saved them. This should be a giant duh. Of course he's going to keep preaching the gospel and sharing it and boasting in the gospel of Christ because it's the power of salvation. Paul won't be silenced because he loves them and he wants what's best for them. Paul is not trying to hurt them or to elevate himself as he continues to share the gospel. He will carry on what he's doing and in carrying on, it will be clear once again who is actually of Christ and who isn't. Paul's refusal to back down in the face of these enemies shows that he is God's and the statements and complaints of these false teachers will be shown false. Paul doesn't waste words here. He calls these people what they are, false apostles, deceitful workmen, those disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. This is not a matter of Christians disagreeing over non-essentials. They brought a false gospel, a false Jesus, and a false spirit, and that's a big deal. That's who has deceived the people of Corinth, liars who are in disguise and who are trying to elevate themselves. They are within the church, not outside it, and they're vying for leadership and power within it, seeking their own good at any cost. Paul points out, too, this shouldn't surprise anyone, as Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, so of course his children would play the same tricks and disguise themselves as servants of righteousness as they seek power for their own. The final statement that Paul gives here is sobering. Their end will correspond to their deeds. These false apostles will receive what is due to them, and that will be judgment. That's not going to be a good thing. At all. False Christians who only bring division, slander, immorality, destruction, and a false gospel, they will receive what they've earned, God's wrath. Honestly, I can't help seeing a reflection of the gospel itself in this issue with the false teachers and their demands for money and prestige. Here's the thing. Our sins had to be paid for, but we couldn't pay them for them. Still, they were paid for by christ they weren't just written off they were paid and we are the ones who receive the benefit from them being paid for and yet we aren't the ones who paid for it we receive the benefit someone else paid the debt but to those who don't actually comprehend what a huge debt that they had they don't appreciate the gift when you think the debt that you have is easily paid for or that the debt is actually no big deal You don't see your need for the debt to be removed and you're not grateful for the offer of that debt being gone. Instead, you keep looking for ways to make yourself important or to be part of the important crowd. When you realize that the Savior condescended to come to earth to live the life that you should have lived perfectly, but you couldn't, and died the death that you actually deserve because of your sin, but you won't face, to bear the wrath of God that you couldn't hope to bear, your perspective changes. You aren't concerned anymore with the economy of this world, with the prestige and status. When you realize what you have actually been saved from and by whom you were saved, you simply rejoice that He has saved you, has granted you eternal life, and has rescued you from your sin and from the wrath of God of God, that you deserve. We still see these false teachers today, teachers who draw attention to themselves instead of to the Savior, teachers who are more concerned with growing their brand or increasing their following than they are with sharing the gospel that saves souls, teachers who sound good, look good, and may be very persuasive and charismatic, but who live for their own glory, not for God. We can guard against being swept away by false teachers sharing false Christs and false spirits and false Gospels by knowing God's word for ourselves and by asking ourselves, Does this teacher elevate God or point to themselves? Sadly, most women's ministries are all about self, and most popular women's teachers are entertaining women who share fabulous anecdotes and draw all the attention to themselves and not to the real Christ. If your favorite teacher spends 275 pages of a 300-page book telling you about their messy life and occasionally throws in a Bible verse, they aren't drawing attention to their Savior. They're in it for themselves. Beware of them and avoid them. Be sure that you are getting fed more than cotton candy. Look for teachers who will teach you God's Word, not teach you about their lives with a casual mention of God here and there. You need God's Word You don't need more humorous stories about other people's lives. Today, really consider who or what your greatest influences are. If you're getting all of your Bible reading out of the latest best-selling book by that one popular female teacher, you're starving yourself. You need to be in the Word. I realize that most of the women who hear this are women who want to be in the Word. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to this right now. But don't let these studies be the sum total of your Bible reading either. Dig into His Word on your own. Ask God to help you to crave His Word and saturate yourself in His Word. Know His Word so that you can hold fast and not be led astray by false teachers or false doctrines. And ask God to help you to appreciate the price that was actually paid for you even though you didn't pay it. May we never lose sight of the real cost of our salvation, and may our lives be lived to honor the one who paid that price for us. Ladies, you'll find the notes for this study under the Bible Studies tab of the website, naomistable.com, Day 17, False Gospel from False Apostles by False Spirits.